Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and founder of Alzheimer Speaks Resource website, blog, and radio. My passion is to educate the world about Alzheimer's and memory loss, and that came to me with my mother's 30-year journey with dementia. For those of you that are new to the show, I just want to give you a brief introduction to Alzheimer's Speaks. Our goal here is to give voice to those afflicted with memory loss and empower them to live purpose-filled lives. We want to raise awareness, give hope, and share the real everyday life stories of living with Alzheimer's disease. Our channel expert, Rick Phelps, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to make it today or not, so we always play that one by ear, but I'm hoping that he'll be able to um, pop onto the show and maybe have some questions or comments to chime in. But again, we will just play that um, by ear. And I also want to remind you that on our homepage, um, if you like what you're hearing today and you want to share it, please you know, tweet us and put it on Facebook or email it to friends or families or business professionals that you think might be able to, um, to be helped by what it is we're doing here. And I want to um, then just mention that, again, if you have questions or comments, um, if you're listening um, by the phone, Again, all you have to do is call in to the 714-364-4757 number. You can always push one, and that will get you into my queue, and you can make a comment or ask a question of one of our guests. If you are listening via your computer, um, there's the chat room, and again, you can always make a question or a comment, and I try to field those as we go along. So just keep that in mind. This show is for all of us. And so the more we all contribute, the the more we can raise awareness together. Our first guest today is Janelle Johnson, and she is with Prelude Homes and Services. And Janelle is the campus director there, and she is responsible for overseeing operations and programs. Um, She is compassionate and has a really strong emphasis on advocacy and the services that she provides are really a solid foundation for Prelude Homes and Services. Janelle began her work in healthcare and and the senior housing industry um, basically as a nursing home social worker, and that was more than 20 years ago. She has worked in skilled care, hospitals, clinical settings, and she has she began her work actually in memory care back in 2001. So that's 10 years ago. So she's got a really nice history and balance. While she was um, in uh, in social work, um, educated in social work and also in law, and she saw those as really valuable assets. But she really credits that the residents and the families that she's met over the years have really been her best teachers. Janelle leads by example and serves as a mentor to the Prelude Care Team. Her interests, again, in advocacy and quality issues have led her to be active in both Aging Services of Minnesota, and she served on the board back in 2007. So, Janelle, with that little um, note there, I do want to add one more thing, and that is is that I, I can certifiably say this woman is compassionate and an advocate because I had met her only maybe once or twice 
and she heard the story of my own mother being in a nursing home for almost 10 years in her end stages. And I'll never forget the day she picked up the phone and called me and said, Lori, I'd like to sing to your mother. And I was so shocked because I really didn't know this woman. But she knew through stories I had told how much music meant to my mom. And so that really began our journey together, and I just saw her in a whole different light. So with that, I want to, again, thank you, Janelle, so much for joining us today. Is there anything else that you'd like to add um, kind of to your background at all that I missed? Uh, Well, it's my pleasure to be here, and no, I think you covered it quite well, and so thank you for that introduction. Okay. I I should add one thing, too, and she's going to kill me for this, but these are precious moments. On Alzheimer's Speaks' YouTube channel, there are several clips of Janelle singing to my mother, and she just lights up, and it's, it's very fun to see the power of music and how simple it can be, you know, even for a person like me that can't sing. Janelle's got a beautiful voice, um, or if it's a record or if it's a music therapist on any level. So I would encourage you to just keep that note in mind. Our second guest is Susie Schumann, and she is with Allied Professionals Home Care and Staffing. And Susie is the Director of Sales and Marketing with Allied Professionals, which is based in Edina, Minnesota, and she oversees the operations um, in Southwest Florida office in Naples, and she specializes in helping families and individuals and businesses um, basically in the healthcare industry navigate what sometimes can be a really overwhelming and complex process to choose the right resources to receive efficient care and housing services. Susie has 22 years of experience in the industry, which again enables her to help families and colleagues make a confident decision regarding their care of a loved one. She's an active member of numerous local and national chambers and rotaries and associations and organizations, and she serves on the Minnesota Board of Directors for the uh, National Private Duty um, Association. And she is also recognized as an executive committee member of the Naples um, Chamber of Commerce. She is passionate about the need to volunteer and give back to the community. She lost her son in 2006, and Susie and her husband started a family foundation that most recently merged with the Children's Cancer Research Fund, and she is doing spectacular things, raising awareness. She spends the majority of her free time volunteering and speaking to bring awareness um, to research for pediatric uh, cancer. Susie also provides educational presentations and seminars to the healthcare industry, insurance industry, and also the financial industry on various uh, various topics. So welcome today, Susie. Um, did I miss anything, again, that you'd like to add? No, actually, you said it well. I think um, the only thing is that uh, our services extend from Minnesota to Florida. So um, regardless, our, our our tagline for our company is home is where your care is. So regardless if our clients are in Minnesota or are extending down to Florida, we service them um, all in between too. So 
Okay, wonderful, wonderful. And, you know, the thing I didn't note, too, is where Prelude is located, which is in Woodbury, Minnesota. That's kind of important for people to know as well. Um, to start out with, I always like to kind of get a little background. So I'm going to throw this out to Janelle first. And I just want to know if you have a connection, a personal connection to Alzheimer's disease, and if not, you know, what drew you in to working with this population? So, Janelle, if you can take that question first, please. Sure. Um, I do have a personal connection with Alzheimer's disease. Um, my first experience with Alzheimer's disease was actually when I was a student at the College of St. Catharines um, studying for social work and was there um, buying books for school on a weekend with my two-year-old daughter in tow, and as I was walking on the campus, there was a an elderly woman who was um, drawn to my my daughter and came over to speak with her, and it wasn't very long into the conversation that I figured out that um, she didn't know where she was or why she was there. Um, and so we spent that day trying to locate her home, and fortunately, were able to get her safely back where she belonged. Um, but um, so that kind of was my first experience with a stranger with Alzheimer's disease and um, trying to explain to my my young child why it was that this grandma um, was not at, was lost. Um, but a more personal experience um, was with my grandmother um, uh, who in her probably last five years of her life um, struggled with the disease and um, just again seeing my mother and her siblings as they um, uh, tried to navigate those waters with her and um, uh, again it, it just really um, drew me in um, to a better understanding on a personal level of the of the disease process. Uh, personally in my experience as a nursing home social worker I started out in a um, small nursing home setting that did not have a specific um, dementia care unit um, and again this was 20 more than 20 years ago in a time when I think as a as a long-term care industry, we were still struggling to get things right when it comes to the care for people um, who are struggling with memory loss issues. And as I said, those were the people who I credit as being my best teachers um, in those early days. So um, just have always been drawn to those families um, and their um, their unique needs. Okay, wonderful. Um, how about you, Susie? Do you have any personal connection with Alzheimer's disease? And if not, kind of what drew you into healthcare and working with this population? Well, I do have a personal connection with Alzheimer's, and actually it began with my mother-in-law. And, you know, what I learned from that experience was, although I'd been in this industry and felt confident that I could provide support and resources to families, what I didn't realize is how much of an impact personally the role of a caregiver would have on our family and others that interacted with my mother-in-law. It really brought a new dimension to my approach um, when developing a plan of action with families and to find a better solution to help meet their individual needs. So that would be my personal connection. As in a professional level, um, our company is a very diversified company working within 18 different areas between medical and dental. But what I often find is just all the um, complexity of families trying to find the right resources. So. Um, you know, our company really tries to take that apart by really making it more of an individual plan. Okay, wonderful. Well, I appreciate you both sharing that with us. Um, it's just like I said, it's kind of nice to nice to know where people are coming from. So with that, let's get down to the heart of Prelude Homes and Services. 
and how can it help those affected with Alzheimer's disease and, and memory loss, and, and why is it different, Chanel? Sure. Prelude Homes and Services is committed to um, helping folks who are um, caregiving in the community as well as those who find themselves in a situation where um, living at home is no longer an option and needing to make a placement into a, a specialized um, setting. And so, um, so there's that there's those two levels where we um, where we are different than. First of all, it's not very often that folks who have housing um, are also at the same time working diligently to help people stay at home. So um, that makes us unique a little bit. It's really our hope that there will be at least 100 families in the communities surrounding um, those communities where we have housing that will be helping on a real tangible way, in a real tangible way to stay at home. Um, by supporting those caregivers, by uh, making a commitment to be, uh, to helping to, helping to educate them, um, helping them to find the resources in the community that they need, such as home care services through agencies like Allied Professionals or finding geriatric care managers in the community. Um, and then we also offer some um, assistive technology to those folks as well. Um, and uh, the assistive technology systems that we've um, been using to date have included um, the Grand Care systems, the uh, Health Sense system, um, the My Halo system. Um, again, uh, Part of what makes us unique is that we don't have any single system that we use, but that we really work with families to identify unique needs and solutions and then point them in the direction of the technology that we believe is best suited for their needs. Um, we also deliver that in a really unique way through um, what we call our care concierge, um, which is um, a personal touch. You know, it's, it's high tech with high touch in addition to sending um, giving them technology. We don't just plop the technology into their home and say, there you go, have a, have a ball with that. We um, we have a person who checks in with them on a very regular basis, um, sort of does a low level of care management um, as we're helping those families and helping them identify other resources in the community. Our well, cottages are very, you know, thank you. <laughs> uh, our cottages are um, the second part of what we do and um, we're unique in a number of ways as well. There, um, there, as the need for memory care grows, there's certainly, um, I think as an industry, the long-term care community is certainly increasing our, um, the availability of, of memory care um, facilities and households that are doing that. Um, and we believe that we've taken a really unique approach to that. And um, so we have, have households um, um, that espouse the household model, and it's re what it is is really taking um, our environment and creating through the physical design and decor um, a very home-like setting in a small. Um, none of our cottages have more than 12 people living in them. Um, they, the design includes walking paths and things that just are, are very therapeutic as far as um, both interior walking paths in the design of the house as well as walking paths in our courtyard and. Um, really striving both design-wise and programmatically to meet people's needs in a very unique way. Okay. Um, and can you tell us a little bit on, on how, why don't we start in with how you hooked up and why um, you pulled in allied professionals to work with you and what role are they playing in your communities? 
Sure. As I was planning our program for Prelude and um, and how we would deliver home care services here, I started to consider the use of a staffing agency for our home care. Um, there's several advantages to operating that way as we launch our program, and um, Allied has had um, been in the staffing business for more than 20 years and has a great reputation, and um, they were able to bring some really great candidates for um, certified nursing assistants in for interviews, and um, the result of that has been a great team of staff who are dedicated to Prelude's mission and philosophy, and we've been able to work very closely with allied professionals in their training and orientation um, to Prelude's unique programming. And um, what that does is that allows allied professionals to handle the human resources and scheduling issues related to our staff and frees me up to focus on implementing our memory care programming and the marketing that needs to be done for our cottages in a way that I wouldn't be able to if I was also managing our home care needs. Okay. And um, I want to go ahead and pull Susie back in and let her talk a little bit about her company and what she sees the role and and, and if you can share with us maybe some of the specifics um, that you'll, of services that you'll be rendering <clears throat> to Prelude, Susie. Well, absolutely. Our company was, um, it began in 1989 by, uh, and it's still owned by the same company owner, Pat Mulligan, who is an RN. And originally the company was developed to meet the needs of the healthcare professional. Um, the business model was designed so that healthcare professionals could have the means of either supplementing their income or having temporary employment or, you know, working full-time with competitive pay rates um, and bill and benefits. Um, and it also met the need of the clients, like the, both the medical and dental facilities, to meet their staffing needs. Um, after years of doing that, what we learned is that the need was also extended into the community. So that's when we began our home care piece of our business. And, um, you know, finding skill-level experienced caregivers was not being met in the field at the time when we started our business. So um, we decided to extend those services to private home care. Today, Allied Professionals provides supplement staff to facilities and offers tem temporary employment and medical and dental professionals to about 180-plus medical and dental field staff. Um, and we do that by being very specific about the types of folks that we hire. So we have a very strict criteria to meeting the needs of our clients. Um, our model is home care, you know, home is where your care is. And so when we looked at working with Prelude, what we really were attractive at, attracted to was that this facility really was like being at home. And it really provided a, an extension to folks that lived within the community but needed a housing solution. So um, we just love, um, love working with them. Our field staff loves working with them, and it's been a really good partnership. Wonderful. That's that's great. I, I think it's neat when people don't try to recreate the wheel but collaborate with who does what well. And Allied's got such a, a fantastic reputation, and there's so many new um, companies popping up that don't have your history in terms of what works and what doesn't work. And I know you guys are very proactive on staying on top of the market and meeting the needs and really work to, to get the right fit for your employees. So um, as a daughter, um, I really appreciate that um, because, you know, it, you just never know who's going to need the service next, and it's nice to know who to be able to rely on. I'd like to really talk next, um, get back to Prelude and the concept of community. Because when I went to one of your presentations, oh my gosh, a year ago, I think it was, 
and you were talking about what it was that you had to offer and what made you unique. To me, what stood out, Janelle, was the fact that you were going to not only be taking care of people on campus in a couple of different settings, but you were also going to be reaching out to those who still wanted to live in their own homes and help them coordinate. Um, But the third piece was your third world connection in terms of really living purpose-filled lives. And so can you speak to the, the various levels and how that concept came to be and why Prelude feels that that's important? Sure. Um, Prelude is a uh, biblically-based community. We, um, Our mission, our vision statement is creating communities where elders are valued, families are family, and God is glorified. And a big part of um, how we see that vision coming into play is, um, first of all, really um, recognizing the elders that we serve for their contributions, past and present, um, recognizing the fact that at any stage of of a person's life, they are contributing and doing what we refer to and um, a, a biblical reference to sowing into the lives of people around them. And so um, we... We started that premise that the people that are here are are still here for a reason and they can contribute and we can learn from them and they do that every day. And part of what we want to do with the ministry piece of what we are um, doing here is we have a commitment that each of our households will have both a local ministry connection and an international ministry connection um, partnering both financially as well as uh, on a level of encouragement and prayer support for those who um, who are doing kingdom work both locally as well as in um, in third world countries and so how does what does that look like? Um, we will be having actually a, a sculpture dedication here on the second of october that 's a sunday at two two o 'clock in the afternoon um, where we we have a sculpture uh, um, at the end of our driveway um, so as you 're coming into our um, our campus, you will see a sculpture of a, a gentleman uh, who is seated, who has a Bible in his lap and um, two children at his feet. And again, our the message being, and it's entitled Sewing, um, the message being um, that we recognize that, um, that those that we serve continue to sow into our lives and um, we can continue to reap a benefit from them. And it's our hope that we can translate some of what they still have to um, offer to others through encouragement and just um, a reflection of who they are that that we would then connect to um, we'll, we're going to start with a, um, an international organization and and we'll be announcing our first international connection at our um, at our sculpture dedication on um, October second but we really want to create as a two way street there uh, as I said not only will we plan to support them um, um, with financial contributions, but we really want there to be two-way communication with the partners that we choose where they're um, um, communicating back and forth with us if they are an international organization or a ministry that um, has people who are in the country and in the neighborhood, we want them to stop by. But we have um, a very technology-rich um, environment, which I plan to talk a little bit more about in a um, in a little bit. But right now, I'll, I'll just mention that we then have Skype in place so that um so that we can have some video chats going on with the people that we're partnered with 
um, so that our residents and their families can really truly engage in the ministries that we're supporting and engage in that support in a very meaningful way. Well, I think that's just wonderful. You know, I started up the the Memory Cafe here in the U.S., which was a U.K. concept, and our groups communicate back and forth. Um, and we haven't done a lot of it, but just, you know, they they had a video for us for our kickoff, um, open house and our meetings, and we just shot them. We're doing kind of wrap-up videos after each meeting and posting those and sending them out and basically just saying thank you. We're having a ball. Thank you for sharing and being part of us because without you, we wouldn't be. And it, it's really um, it's really fulfilling, and it just adds to that purpose and that connection. So I really, personally, I really like that concept, and I just I think it is so neat, and it's interesting, and and it just makes people still feel alive and contributing, and it's educational. I mean, there's just so many levels to it. So um, kudos from me on that. I, I just think that that is very very neat. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what a a daily routine would be like um, for all of the different levels that you serve in terms of if somebody is is at home, you know, how does that look like? And maybe Susie's actually better to talk about that um, in terms of services or or the combination of the two of you. Um, So, Janelle, I'm going to throw it to you, and then if you kind of want to tell us what somebody in the community kind of life is like in terms of where you fit in and then Susie if you can um, chime in after that as well in terms of services that you could provide. Sure. Our involvement with the people who um, we're serving through our at-home program in the community um, is actually um, pretty minimal. I mean they, they would be going about their daily routine just as they always would and what we bring to the table is that um, if they're signed up with our care concierge program for our technology, um, we would have motion sensors located in their house as well as, in, with, in some cases, a, a communication system that would be, um, if they're using the grand care system in their home, um, that has a, a real hands-on communication piece as well that allows them to look at photos and to do um, uh, messaging with family as well as um, um other games and brain exercises. So they, they, um, if they have our technology in their home, um, are usual, utilizing that um, to communicate with family and really picking and choosing the pieces of that technology that fit their life. Um, our care concierge then is checking in on them if they have that system through Skype and otherwise through a, a telephone call, generally once a week. And that involvement with her just really involves a, a phone call or a video chat that says, how's it going, um, how's the equipment working, and just a conversation that's really um, led by them as far as how how um, involved they want us to be in, in personal affairs or, or just kind of a, a friendly chat. Um, but really, it's, it's really their day is driven and not changed much um, in regard to how they choose to to spend their day. Um, it's a pretty non-intrusive um, technology system that can be a solution that helps people to um, maintain the normalcy in their life and have their life continue pretty much as usual um, in the in the regard to how they spend their day. Okay. And then, Susie, in terms of your involvement, are, is your company involved with people who are still living in their homes then through preloads? 
Absolutely. Well, what we do is we carry two different licensures. We have both the supplemental staffing license, which allows us to staff within facilities such as Prelude. Um, and then we also have the Class A home care license, which is a more of a, a more encompassing the private home care sector, so from non-medical services all the way through skilled. So oftentimes we will meet families within the community that are currently using or needing home care services, and our services range from anywhere from two-hour visits in the community all the way to 24 hours a day um, and ranging seven days a week with um, in seven days a week. And then what the uh, skill level is is home health aides or certified nursing assistants or LPNs or RNs. Um, we also have certified senior advisors on staff to help guide folks um, more on a geriatric care ma- model. Um, but oftentimes we start with them before they have the need to go to prelude. So we may be working with them in the community, and as their needs change, um, they may need more of a different housing solution, and so then that w- we would work with prelude on that. So it kind of it's a nice relationship shared because oftentimes we meet these families even prior to that more in a clinical or hospital or transitional care unit. Um, and so we are able to age in place as their needs change and be able to fit those um, those needs. So, Susie, can you explain to our audience, you know, what does non-skilled and skilled care, I mean, that's a huge range, but can you just give us some examples? Because I think for a, for a lot of the, the regular population, it's just confusing in terms of the terminology that's used. And so if you could give us some examples of some non-skilled and then kind of medium level to, to full-skilled care, what the variables are. Yeah, absolutely. It is confusing, and I think to the average consumer, um, it's it's very overwhelming, and there's different terminology for the same types of services. But typically, most home care clients fall into more of a non-medical need, which would be more hands-off type of um, kind of services. So, like homemaking or companion, and that might be spending time with someone to um, just be a companion there when their family member needs maybe some respite care. They need to have time away from their family. Um, person, the caregiver needs some time away, and so then we may come in there and just spend some time with their loved one. And or a non-medical need might be housekeeping, doing light housekeeping or meal preparation or accompanying them to a doctor's appointment. Um, so that would be more of a homemaker companion non-medical need. Um, then the needs go into more of what's called an everyday living type of need where they may need help with bathing or um, dressing or getting um, their teeth brushed or their hair brushed and maybe transferring or toileting or, I mean, there's all kinds of different needs that become more of a physical need. Um, And then that kind of comes in with the nursing needs. So it's more of like if they need help with med management or med administration, um, a nurse might be involved or more of a skilled need when maybe they have some wound care or other types of um, services that would be provided as a nurse need. So it, it encompasses everything. So the nice thing about having that license that we do is it allows people to stay with the continuity of the same caregiver. So no matter if their need starts as a non-medical need and it changes in time, um, they can stay with the same caregiver. Wonderful. That's that's great to great to hear. I appreciate you breaking that down for us because I do think that that is very very helpful. Um, Janelle, can you talk to us about the different? Um, you know, types of housing on campus and what those look like. Sure. Um, of, you know, what a daily routine. 
Yep. Um, Prelude does have a campus model, so we have um, right now two buildings on our property. There will eventually be seven. Um, the buildings that we have are our memory care cottages, and that is the the um, actually the business that we operate. Um, there are other um, the second building that's currently nearing completion on our property is um, a residential care home, um, which we call an estate home on our property, and um, it will be operated by Hometown Senior Living. Um, they're a, a local company that has been doing um, residential care in both Woodbury and Hudson for the last two and a half years, and um, they will be operating the first home with a um, respiratory care specialty focus. So that, that home will care for six people um, who, in an assisted living setting, um, and the majority of the people that they're going to serve in that home will have some sort of respiratory need, whether that's ventilator care need or um, have just CP, COPD or other um, other respiratory issues. They will also care for a more general population um, if there's a need for people who just have um, some high care needs in that home. They, um, that home will be staffed with LPNs, and they're working in, in partnership with Core Respiratory Services for the delivery of that respiratory specialty care. The other three, um, um, there will be three more residential care homes added over the course of the next two to three years, and um, they may also um, choose to have specialty care. Maybe perhaps one will be a Parkinson specialty home, and um, they may do another respiratory care specialty, but um, that will all be driven by the, by the demand in the community. And then the final two homes that will be added to the campus will be um, residential hospice homes. And um, Prelude is currently talking with a number of residential care um, residential hospice providers um, and uh, discussing the possibilities of one of them coming to operate the, um, the hospice homes that we'll have on our property. Um, what's unique about every um, one of those entities and every building on our property is that they all are based on that household model that I mentioned earlier. None of those locations will um, have households of more than 12. Um, and again, that's um, that's very much part of our philosophy is that we really believe that care that's delivered in the smaller, um, more home-like and um, household model is really um, it's what people want and it's uh, just a much more comfortable place. And specifically in our memory care cottages, there's so many benefits to the household model for a person with memory loss. Um, a little bit about a typical day in our, um, especially I'll speak to our memory care cottages here, um, a typical day is really very unique to each individual that lives here. Um, we build our programming on what we call the life legacy of every person that comes here. So, um, as soon as they are, as soon as we even know that they're thinking about moving here, we begin the process of collecting as much information as we can about their current daily routine, um, but perhaps as important about their life. And um, and then we build that into the program. Um, we try to keep their daily routine as far as time that they get up and time that they go to bed at night the same as it was at their home. Uh, we don't have a structured um, time when people have to be up and at a breakfast table here. We, um, we make breakfast to order as people wake up, and again, we try and keep that as much in line with what their routine at their home would have been. Um, throughout the day, we have um, we do certainly have some structured activities, um, some group um, group activities such as you know 
various games that we will play and music programming and um, volunteers coming in to do a number of different things, um, manicures and um, all sorts of um, fairly typical um, senior housing activities. But but uh, as far as a daily routine goes, what we really do is look to bring as many moments that each of our individual residents can resonate with from their previous experience. So if we have a, a person in the house who um, who we know enjoyed bowling or we know enjoyed playing cribbage, um, we'll make sure that um, that we either talk about or do some of those activities. We um, we have one gentleman who was an avid bowler who is really um, enjoying wee bowling. I I wasn't sure when we introduced that to him if he would find it to be um, an inadequate substitute to the real thing. But what we have found is he really enjoys that and. Um, and, and again, that brings up a conversation where we can talk to him about his past experience in league bowling and um, and the five perfect games that he's bowled in his life. Um, it's Our day is really about knowing each resident so well and, and making sure that our frontline staff know the details of their life so that we can incorporate those things into their day-to-day -day routine. Oh, that's fantastic. The Wii Bowling, we just did that with our memory cafe. We had a riot, and nobody had played yep. before. And um, Bill is one that has dementia, um, and he won. I mean, he just he blew us all out of the water. And it was really interesting because he remembered um, the, the routine of the clicker in the hand and what you had to do, and he was reminding everybody else. And he just mm -hmm. heard it once, and it was like, wow, it just it was incredible. Um, but we just we laughed and we just we had s such fun and um, you know it, it's not exerting but yet you still have that camaraderie. There's a there's a man and I, his name is Dennis and it starts with a B. I can get it to you. He was actually on the channel earlier, but he actually has a, a wee bowling league and he's looking at trying to develop something for um, for people with dementia. Um, to kind of have their own league. And so um, I, I think that that's really interesting that you're tying in specifically to what are the what are the interests, what was what was the life like, and how can we continue that? so there's there's still you know feel purposeful and um, have that have that enjoyment and and things don't change. I also love that you know people can stick to their own routines instead of having to get up at six o'clock to eat breakfast when maybe they slept in at eight o'clock and maybe they got up at four o'clock and had something a little snack or something because everybody's a little different and that just I think makes that transition so so much easier so that is that is wonderful to hear um, and I like the term life legacy I just think that that's a, a very respectful um, name that you've that you've come up with for that for daily routines and, and life lessons and things there. Anything else you want to add in terms of um, campus routines? Yeah, well, I would just that life legacy just plays into our programming on so many different levels because um, obviously part of the routine around here and part of the, the main goal of our staff is to keep people comfortable and um, keep anxiety levels low and um, we really um, seek to, again, knowing 
by knowing them and knowing their life situations, um, when we see a person starting to lean towards getting some anxiety or some sundowning behavior, we then have the tools that we need to help um, to help calm them. We we do that through um, again as we pick up on their cues and know how um, know what triggers anxiety. We begin to learn also then what calms anxiety and. And that starts with a level of trust. So again, the more that we know about that person's life and their history and who the people are in their life, the better we can um, address concerns if they're looking for someone or if they're um, asking questions about family and we can then address family by name. Um, it just really gives our staff the tools to um, to build some really soothing and calming procedures into their day as well as they're interacting with people. Um, we can have conversations. I, I always say if somebody is um, talking and needing to, um, wondering about Eddie and they're asking questions about Eddie, it's very important that my staff know whether Eddie was a cousin, an uncle, a brother, or their dog. Um, because how we react and how we um, have a conversation about Eddie um, is very important to them at that time, and, and it builds trust with them if they know that we know who Eddie is. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Susie, you know, given your business is a little bit different, um, and I would imagine you might have more transitional um, people than not, and correct me if I'm wrong there, are you able to, you know, build in kind of this life legacy piece into your services or, um, you know, how does what's the intake process, I guess, for you getting to know the person? And not that you have to necessarily know their routines quite as much in terms of detail, but I would think that it would, would be important to know who's important in their life in terms of conversation and building trust and comfort and things. Well, absolutely. Um, at Prelude, we actually share the relationship there. It's a partnership, so we are the healthcare um, provider on site. So the staff is specifically hired for Prelude. So they have gone through extensive, extensive uh, training and getting to know each resident, each resident as an individual. Um, our relationship really starts, you know, with a nurse assessment. So once the nurse, um, you know, is meeting with the family, they're developing a care plan that's individual. So, it, you know, they meet with the family and they're meeting with the um, client and they're, you know, developing that um, care plan together so that their needs and wishes are met. Um, so, you know, we can enhance their lives to, you know, provide them with some joy and support them and along with their physical needs. So, but each individual caregiver that's in Prelude Home is hired specifically for Prelude. So they get to know all the life legacy and all the clients and residents that are there, so... Oh, that's nice. Because that, I know that that's time-consuming, you know, to do that. And um, but it it just makes so much sense um, to do that. So I, I think that that's wonderful that you guys are working together and, and see the importance of that. I, I would imagine that your clients would value that um, and their caregivers. It, it would just as a daughter, if it was my parents in that situation, I know it would raise my level of confidence and comfort in terms of. You you get my loved one. You know you understand them, and you you care enough to ask the questions. Let's let's break down the different types of technology that you're tapping into, and how that works within your um, your community. Janelle, can you you had mentioned grand care, and you had talked about it briefly, but can you just expand that a little bit more, and then talk about the other types of technology that you're tapping into um, for um, for your community. 
Sure. Um, we do use the Grand Care system here. Um, we, as I said, that's one of the systems that we use for people out in the community, but it's also one that we've incorporated um, recently into our, our building here. Um, it, it's uh, very useful on a number of levels. It ha offers us um, and families uh, a communication tool. So, and, um, so it's actually a touchscreen computer that sits at a desk that's available to our residents, which um, can have a separate um, um, file for each of the residents. So they push a, a, a button that says their name and their information comes up. And that, that information can include pictures. So family have the opportunity to upload pictures onto the website and then all their loved one needs to do is push the word pictures and their family photos come up. And if they d touch one of them on the touch screen, it becomes larger and then there's a, an arrow that they can scroll through all they need to do is touch that and the pictures move and it's um family members can add captions to the pictures it's just a great way to connect generations and to connect family who are living at a distance and um who are probably uploading those same photos to Facebook or other social media programs all they need to do is also go to um the website um for their loved ones grand care system and they can upload them there as well so a great tool to keep family engaged and and um and help to bolster communication there. And it gives, again, an, an activity opportunity for our staff to go and say, okay, let's let's go take a look and see if there's a new message or new pictures. And um, it also has uh, a, um, internet right there in that system as well, so it can have favorite websites. Um, we have a gentleman who's still very interested in football, and, and his daughter has set him up with a fantasy football um, account, and so he can go onto that system, and uh, again, with her, with the help of our staff, they can make sure that he's he's got the picks that he wants, and uh, it's just a great uh, great way to have a usable, a very user friendly technology there at our family and our residents' fingertips. That same system also does allow us to use that same motion sensor technology, or bed sensors, or chair sensors. Um, throughout our house so that we can then, if there's someone who has a risk for falling, um, we can have a system that alerts our staff to a situation that may be um, creating a falls risk. So that's the grand care system in our home. We have another system called the 3M monitoring system, which um, is... Before you um, go into that, can I ask one question? Um, you had you mentioned, sure you know, with up uploading of photos and stuff. Do you help, you know, is there anybody there to help set them up, you know, kind of Absolutely. with the, the basics? There is. Yep. Okay, yep. wonderful. Yep, Am Amber Lee, who is our care concierge manager, she um, she will help people. This, the system also has a Skype capability, and again, it's a very easy plat platform for that, but she will help family members to set up a Skype account. She will give them all the instructions that they need to, to upload pictures, and actually, if they're having trouble with it, they just um, get them to her either on a disk or through an email, and then she loads them up. So, um, yeah, they get a lot of help in um, in utilizing that technology. Um, okay, wonderful. So the resident monitoring, the yep, um, it's the, the 3M um, company has a resident monitoring system that allows us to monitor our doors. Um, uh, we there are we are secured um, location, so our our doors to the outdoors are all 
um, locked with magnetic locks and a keypad, but we have an additional layer of protection for those who are identified as at risk for um, for leaving the building unaccompanied, and and are and that would be a danger for them. So, if they've been identified as such, we can have them wear a watch, and it is an actual functional watch. So, um, it's uh, um, it preserves dignity in that way, and that it's not just a, a bracelet that's there that identifies them as a as a wander risk. It's um it's actually a functional analog watch where they can see the time. Um, but the system then will alert us in uh, three very specific situations. It will send us an alert if they're near a door that is opened. They can be standing by the door. As long as it's shut, it will not send an alert um, to our staff or, or make an audible noise. It's only if that door is open that um, that our staff would get an alert. And and for many of the doors in the house, it's not an audible alert. It's just a page that my staff gets. So, again, there's not a lot of bells and whistles um, going off in the house. Um, we want it to be as quiet and calm as it can be. So, instead, those alerts are managed through a pager system with my staff. Um, so, that's one instance where it notifies us. It will also notify us if a person's watch is not on. Um, it, it uses both a, a contact sensor as well as a sensor that um, can tell if there's body heat near it to to notify my staff if the watch has been removed. Um, and then the third instance is that it would notify um, my staff if the person's watch has not communicated with the computer system um, within three or four minutes. If there's been a three or four minute span where there's been no communication, it will send an alert that says locate so-and-so. Um, as an indication that the computer system is not detecting that watch somewhere and it's it's a possibility that that person is not within the the sensing um parameters of our of our system so that's um that's our second technology piece which is um i think again something that makes us a bit of a standout in the memory care um arena in the community setting um uh, certainly there are um, many skilled facilities that have that kind of a system, but um, it's not a very common situation to see that in in an assisted living setting. Um, okay. Other technology, are, are you ready for me to move on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, this is, I think this is really interesting, and I think our listeners will find it interesting too on you know how things have changed and yeah. um, just how on top of things you can be and how non-intrusive a lot of these things have gotten. Um, because, yeah. it, you know, everybody wants to preserve dignity and things. So I, I think it's wonderful that you're sharing this. Yeah. We really do have a commitment to innovation and the use of technology because, again, if it's available and can make life easier and can create a situation where anxiety can be reduced in a very simple way um, by paying attention. Uh, you know, another example through that system, um, our doorbells also ring to the pager instead of having an, an audible doorbell. Um, because in my experience, people who are in a in a setting that is locked with a keypad, if one of my residents is sitting um, by the bird aviary, which is near the front door, and they hear a doorbell there, um, it's very frustrating to them if they're going to the door to try and answer it and to be a, a good host and greet this guest at their home, and they can't open the door. Um, that's mm-hmm. very, very frustrating to them. So instead of it ringing there, then it, it rings to my staff so they can go and get the door and open it and, um, again, then invite the, the resident to come and help them be a greeter at the door, but it's not a situation where that person is pacing by the door um, being an- anxious and agitated because they don't know how to get the door open. Um, another um, piece of technology that's... Um, 
that we're utilizing is internet TV. We do have a, we have cable television, but we also have internet TV available in our, each of our cottages so that um, our staff can utilize some very unique programming there as well. We um, and one of my favorites that we're able to pull up on the TV through the use of the internet television is um, is Music Mayhem. If you're aware of that game show and um, 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 Bill Tell Sobo, people who, a little bit more about that. I'm familiar with Bill, but um, I think it's just a, a fun, neat concept. And absolutely, um, I've known Bill for a number of years. He um, participated with his programming at, at some fundraising events for um, also for Alzheimer's related. Um, work and he has a foundation where um I believe it's called Music Music for Memories I think is his foundation um so all the proceeds that he um, gains from this music game all go into um research or other support of of um Alzheimer's and other memory losses he has a a unique story and having a a family history of um of a very a rare form of dementia, and so that kind of spurred him to develop this game where it's called Music Mayhem, and it's a game guessing a guessing game on um, the name and the uh, artist for um, music. And so he started it as a board game, and he then um, started doing it as as a form of live entertainment at some college um, basketball halftime shows. Um, so he still, I believe, does some of it live, but he now has a an internet version of it. Um, and so you can pull it up, and it will by by year. You can do it by decade. You can choose the 40s, 50s, 60s, or 70s, and uh, the game will play a song, and you have the opportunity then to put in the name of the name of the song and the name of the artist, and it's timed, and it's just a lot of fun. And you can do it either. Um, as teams or you can do it as a as a group activity and again we just have both both as uh, one of allied's staff members and a gentleman in our home who just love it and they're really good um you know music again that's knowing our resident music was a huge part of his life and um so to be able to sit there and see what he knows about music and artists is just it's amazing for him it's an opportunity for him to to tap into those memories and to really um, be successful at something because he, uh, he's great at the game. Um, so both, I, that's a plug for Music Mayhem, but it's also just a, a great example of how we, having Internet TV allows us to have some really great opportunities for programming that we wouldn't otherwise have. Um, so that's our Google, that's our Google TV. The the last place that we're utilizing technology, um, it's a little lower tech, but it still does involve technology, and that's in our sensory room. We um, we have a special room in our houses that um, it has an office in it. It's actually where our care concierge spends most of her day, um, because I have found uh, um, that having an office in the in the central area of the home um, gives folks uh, a place to come in and sit down and visit or to enjoy the office atmosphere or to just really um, sit and have some quiet time in an area away from others in the house. Um, And we've incorporated into that room some um, therapies that really are designed to be calming for people. So we have some aromatherapy um, items in there. We utilize music therapy in there as well and um, one little um, device that we have is a music machine that's um, put to, put out by Tammy Briggs, who's an area um, therapeutic harpist, and she has this little machine. I'm sure you've probably seen it, Lori, um, that has 
she's uh, had recorded five hours of her harp music, and um, you can take this little little machine. It's portable, so you can take it into someone's room or carry it with you as you're going around uh, the home. But um, just again, a very calming um, creates a very calming atmosphere um, in that room. And the and then the final piece in that room that we utilize is a vibroacoustic um, pad in a chair and. Vibroacoustic therapy is just the use of tones in music to create vibration in the chair where you're both hearing the tones, you're hearing and feeling the music as you sit in that chair. And um, again, that technology just really is one of our um, one of our things that we use to help people relax when they might have a tendency to be anxious or agitated. Um, and that that commitment to the, our sensory room, our, our commitment there is to really be on top of what innovative therapies are being used, um, both in the field of memory care as well as other, um, a lot of these technologies are actually borrowed from therapies that have been used for people with autism. And picking up on the the similarities between um, the modalities of treatment that are being used for people with sensory deficits and communication deficits and how that translates to a person um, as they're entering the final stages of dementia, where they also are are um, needing some of that sensory stimulation and also um, just um, a new way to communicate. I think that's great. <clears throat> Again, I I know Tammy as well. Excuse me, <clears throat> and she is just incredible. Her music is beautiful and, and very touching, and her her little machine um, is is so small but yet so powerful and uh so she does some really neat things and in the the whole sensory room i just love that idea because even my mom in her end stages i mean she'll still come alive for music or for touch if it's you know massaging her hands or if it's maybe an aroma um can just perk her up and it's important for us as individuals as society at large understand the importance that our senses comes into play with our relationships and, and how we build things. So that is that's very cool. Any other technologies that you're tapping into? You've got you've got lots of them there, so that's very fun. I think that's most of them. I mean we certainly we have a, a tub that is um, a state of the art tub that's not so much technology as just other equipment. But you know again it's really our our um our commitment is to being really on top of those innovative things and to to be a partner and a um in some ways testing ground for people who are developing new um therapies and and technologies we really want to be um cutting edge and and be implementing those newer things into our environment and continuing to dialogue with those people who are developing things and um helping them to know from our perspective what, what's working and what's not. Um, as I said, and some of the things are very low-tech as well, um, you know, tapping back into that um, similarity with autism, the use of um, use of weighted blankets. Um, you know, again, just figuring out what's working for other people um, in terms of being uh, calming interventions, What what's out there that we're not... Um, that we're not using that we should and could be using that would be of help in our environment. Okay, can you, uh, I want you to speak a little bit more on the tub. So what is different yep. about the tub and all, um, yeah, the tub, because I, I mean, I, I know what they are and I know what they're like, but a lot of our 
audience probably has not seen one. So can you sure. describe how that can be helpful and useful and calming and all yeah. those things? Yes. We have a, a rain tub that has a door that opens um Rain, R-A-N-E, not R-A-I-N, if we're trying to figure out what, what the rain has to do with it. Um, and that it's a step-in tub, so a person doesn't, you, it's, um, it's a very low entry, so actually you could even transfer from a wheelchair, because the door cutout is actually in the shape of a, a chair, really. So you can, once you open the door, you could transfer from a wheelchair right into the tub and then move your, move your legs in second. Um, so it's easily access, e- easily accessible. So a person um, can sit in there, and once the door is shut, then the water begins to fill. And um, and it does have um, whirlpool jets for those who who like that. Um, you can also shut those off if um, if it's someone who finds those upsetting. But again, just um, a very accessible tub for those who um, want a, a relaxing experience or a nice soak in the tub. Um, and again, what we've done is really tried to think ahead about, okay, so as that person is in the tub waiting for it to fill and waiting for it to drain, um, because those are the reasons why those tubs are often not utilized or why they can be um, a scary experience for someone is to sit there exposed as you're waiting for it to fill. Um, we've purchased some um, shower capes so that they're covered while they're waiting in there. And then again, it's also using um, that weighted blanket theory um getting uh, a shoulder a shoulder weight um you know either just a neck pad that's weighted or um or a little bit larger one that some of the um again is used for folks with autism um to to help um that that little bit of weight can help make someone feel a little bit more relaxed too and um this sounds like a strange example but the the way that I really started thinking about that is um, in the dentist chair getting x-rays for my teeth. <laughs> and when they bring the lead blanket and, and set that on my shoulders, there's something calming in that to me, just the weight of it. And it's almost when they go to take it away, it's like, oh, couldn't you just leave that there? Because there's something about that weight um, that is relaxing. And so, again, that's where even for our tub experience, we're trying to build in things that will just make it more comfortable for people. See, and I, I think of <clears throat> being in the dentist chair and that weighted thing, it tells me don't move, you know, mm-hmm. or if I'm getting an X-ray and they come in and, <clears throat> and you know, put that over me, it just says be still, be calm, it's okay, you know. Yep. It's it's just, um, it's kind of like that hand on the, on the shoulder just saying it's yes. all right. So, yeah. Okay. Um well, very interesting. Um, Susie, I feel bad because I haven't pulled you into the conversation, um, and I want to get you back <laughs> in here. <laughs> um, how does your company and your services use technology when when managing clients? Can you um, talk to us on that? Well, you know, depending on what role we're playing, if we're using, if we're working with a client or a facility as a supplemental source, um, we, you know, we we use their technology, so whatever is in place. If we're working within the community or in a private home care sector, um, you know, most of the families that we encounter, at least in the private community, um, do not have a lot of technology outside of maybe Skype or, you know, maybe um, Lifeline type of products, but, you know, or maybe now I'm seeing more and more um, a lot of the tubs that um, Janelle had mentioned, but they really haven't engaged with as many of the technologies. So that's where we're referring clients 
um, to visit and talk with um, Prelude Homes and Services so that they can look into those. Um, because there is a happy medium, I think, to having some of those things in place um, in addition to having some, you know, provider, a health care provider to um, to kind of give them some additional support. So, um, but as our home care in a whole, our our company does not provide any specific technology to our clients. We kind of work with the families to give them referral sources within the uh, the community. Okay, great. Now, Janelle, we had talked about you know people living in their home and getting set up with that technology. Now, I know at one time. Thrivent had some some monies, uh, kind of a grant that you guys could tap into. Is is there any of that still available? And even if there isn't, can you explain what that was all about for people? Because yeah, again, that, that was a really interesting concept too. Yeah, that program did end, but last fall we were able to um, to partner with Thrivent in a in a launch of this um, kind of program where we were able to go out along with. Um, um, along with an someone with an occupational therapy background, and that was actually someone out of Augustana's, um, Augustana's therapy department. Um, Alyssa um, Boroff is her name, and we were able to go out then to 30 um, homes and do an assessment. The, the first piece of it was an assessment of their homes where um, it was at, um, a really nice hands-on an assessment of their physical plant and you know even from from things as simple as throw rugs to as complex as um what kind of remodeling might need to happen in the bathroom to make it a safer environment and we were able to then give them a very detailed report on um suggestions that would be made um for for both immediate changes or things for them to think about in the future and then giving them some resources on um where they would um be able to either have those changes made or purchase the things that we were suggesting. Um, so that was the first piece. And a part of the grant with Thrivent was then to actually be able to um, make those things happen uh, um, for six people. So we were able to install a couple of chairlifts in some people's homes and do some grab bars and put in raised toilets and a really nice opportunity to serve people in that way. Um, the second piece of that program involved the technologies that we have available, um, and that was part of the assessment as well, is, is which of these folks would be able to benefit from those technology systems. And we were able then to choose six individuals um, where we put those technologies in place for a period of eight months. And actually, we're just finishing that eight-month period. So it's been a nice opportunity to go back to those folks. In the, the first few that we put in, um, there's, I think, four or five that are still out in people's homes, and talk with them about um, about the benefits of those systems and um, talk to them about pricing for ongoing, um, if they were, you know, they had it in their home for eight months, and talk to them a little bit about um the price tag that they would see as a reasonable price tag. So it was a bit of a test for us as far as helping to um, not only um, see firsthand how it could benefit some people in private homes, but also um, the, getting a little bit of a gauge of the um, of the industry's um, perception and tolerance for price point for that. So we've then been able to share that with a number of other um, organizations on a on a national basis through um through the age tech group which is a, a group that the grand care systems um sponsors some education through we've been able to share our experience there and talk with them about um how do we help educate 
and get the information out to the public about about these technologies because they can be such a valuable tool to people who are trying to manage at home, um, both for people who are um, living with a living with a caregiver as well as those who are um, who have adult children who are trying to manage a parent's care from a distance. Um, so again, it was a really nice opportunity to do some um, market research, really in in that area. Wonderful. And if people wanted to get a hold of what was it, age, age, what was it, age technology, age tech. Is I think age the best way to do that. Yeah, the best way would be um, through the Grand Care website, um, which would be okay. GrandCare.com. Okay, um, and I think they're also on LinkedIn too. If people are, you know, business professionals or um, you know want to tap into them that way, I believe I've seen them out there uh, as well. So wonderful. Well, this is just great information. Um, I think we're learning a lot of things. I would like to, um, and I'm going to throw this one to Susie just to pull her back into the conversation again. Um, um, Susie, if you can tell us how can we help family members assess their options, what would you recommend to people in terms of trying to maneuver this, you know, this path that keeps changing? Well, and I think it's hard. I mean, even after being in this industry as long as I had, um, you know, I've had po- a home care and hospice in our own home four different times, and each journey was different. So I think it's very overwhelming for families. But probably, you know, and I do a lot of continued education programs for communities and individual families to help them um, provide information on how to find the right caregivers. But I think the big thing is that... Um, you know, really to, to plan ahead, you know, and not wait for that crisis because I think oftentimes so many decisions are made in a crisis kind of mode, and I think that if families can kind of reach out and educate themselves about the medical conditions or risk and benefits to the treatments that they're looking at, um, that would help their decision fa- decision making. Um, and then that way they can kind of look at, you know, sitting down with their family members, having that discussion, which is so difficult, um, especially if you've got family, like so many that are across, you know, many, many states. Um, but sitting down and kind of putting together your care team. So sitting down and seeing who could be part of this care team. And it might involve your family. It could involve your friends. It could be your church or synagogue. Um, but putting together your te- team to help meet the needs of your loved one. Um, and then after that, I think that understanding the housing care, housing options, and the personal care options um, get to be kind of the next factor. And I think that to begin to do that, you have to look at your financial resources. Um, how am I going to be able to meet those needs? And, you know, outside of Medicare, you know, which is um, doesn't always meet the needs for home care, you know, it might be long-term care insurance or a, perhaps maybe if you want to live home, you're, re, you know, looking at into reverse mortgages. So maybe sitting down with somebody and talking more about your financial options. Um, and then we always recommend to our families to really look at your legal documents ahead of the ahead of the game. So not when there's a crisis, but kind of look and see what type of um, documents you have. Do you have wills and trusts um, set up? Do you have a health care directive? And know where to locate those legal documents because oftentimes um, folks do go to the trouble in, in meeting with you know a financial officer and then they can't find the information when they need it. Um, so, you know, besides that, you know, when you're looking at home care, I think it's such a diverse group of services that are out there. And 
I know for me it was very important to have the continuity of the same caregiver and one that could age in place with the needs that we had. And that can be very complex. So, you know, really um, finding a, a, a reputable home care company that has been in the business and um, has qualified skilled caregivers I think would be really important to kind of look at. And, you know, there we, we on staff have certified senior advisors that would help guide folks through that, and our assessments are all do, done for free. So if a family comes to our agency looking for home care, the initial assessment is done by RN, and that is done for free. So we help determine those needs, and, and then um, they can either choose to use our service or not to use our service. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, caregiving and being the caregiver is, is a very long process. And to really to pace yourself and take time for yourself. Um, I know for me, I had to eventually say me first and then you and take that breather and, and then let home care be part of that. Um, you know, it's it's not giving up um, giving up the ability to do something, but allowing yourself to enjoy life, too. And I think that's hard because when you're a caregiver, um, all that responsibility is on your shoulders. And uh, sometimes it's important to think about yourself, too, and, and to involve respite. And, like, for our home care company, we allow um, folks to have services as little as two hours a day all the way through 24 hours a day, allowing that caregiver to be able to do other things and go, you know, I think the big thing with um, caregiving is how am I going to manage work if, if I'm caring for my loved one or if I'm talking, if I'm at work, how am I going to manage my dad or my mom getting to appointments? And that's where a, a small respite piece or a visit type of home care company can really value, be a value. Wonderful. Now, um Janelle, do you have anything that you'd like to add on that in terms of, you know, helping families assess their options? I know one of the fears when I was in real estate is people thought if they talked to you, then they felt you would hound them. And so, you know, they were they were just nervous about just because they talked to you doesn't mean that I'm coming, you know, that they really want to gather information. So how do you handle that with families when they want to, can they come in for tours and get a feel for what it is that you have to offer on, on a physical plant as well as getting to, to meet you on a personal level? Absolutely. I would, I encourage them to come and take a tour anytime and to, and to make those phone calls and um and I guess I would just uh, put out there that I would I would ask or invite them to not be afraid of my questions. <laughs> you know, sometimes people if they just want information, they're very quickly wanting to just um just get get the information they want and um uh, and I think part of what they need to know that part of my job and that part of the process is to ask questions so that I can identify what their needs are and that helps me to know what direction to point them and it might be to have them come in for a tour and talk to them about what we have here but it might also mean that I think that there might be someone else um you know we're I I, I the one thing I love about the people that are in this business is that um we are all about trying to help people find what's right for them. And so I will often talk to people or I'll get a phone call and it, through the um, through the asking of questions, I'll be able to identify that, you know what, I think there's somebody else in this industry that can help them better. And that might be a home care agency. It might be another, it might be a, a, an apartment setting that has a little bit, has some help, but not the level of help that we have at our um at our building, it might be a stage where I'm thinking um, they could probably get by with a little bit less than what we have to offer as far as assistance. Um, so my first 
caution would be not to be afraid of those questions. I, I don't ask those questions in order to to sink the hook in. I ask those questions in order to know um, how I can best help people because I, I truly believe that as an industry, um, that's most of the, that's the focus of most of the people that you'll come into contact with in the role of a of a marketing or sales in um Susie's Susie's industry with the nursing and home care or in the industry of of actual housing um we really want to make make people help them find the right connection so that's my first thing but but also just planning early is is so important it as Susie mentioned um so much of this kind of care can be driven by crisis and um and we do that for a number of reasons um in some ways that's how we cope with not, with not making a decision we don't want to make we wait until we're forced to make it um but helping people to realize that um none of us make our best decisions in those situations and even if it's doing a little bit of research um to the level that they can emotionally tolerate um ahead of time that the more prepared they are for making those sorts of decisions the easier it will be when the crisis, if the crisis eventually comes. So um, getting information, coming out, touring a lot of places and knowing what questions to ask. And there are a lot of resources available um, from a number of different sources on on finding the questions to ask. Um, or any of us, actually, if, if somebody um, needs to know what questions to ask, I'm happy to help um, with that as well, just because there are so many um, the decision for care, whether it's in your own home or in um, in a household such as the cottages, wherever it is, it's such a personal decision, and there are so many facets of um, of the things that need to go into that decision. So, um, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to answer people's questions as they're trying to help you figure out what might be the best fit, and and to just um, really become informed on what your options are um because there's so it's it's a jungle <laughs> there are so many options out there especially in Minnesota it's a the way that our um state has assisted living um options available is is both a blessing and a curse it's a blessing in that there are so many options for people there is truly a right fit for everyone out there i believe that um the curse is that there are so many options out there <laughs> that it's overwhelming. Very true. And I and I think the industry as a whole has changed. I, I don't think people are as aggressive and people understand that people need to get educated in order to make a proper choice. And so, you know, personally, I don't feel like the industry hounds people, like, you know, that the myth is out there that if I walk mm-hmm. in the door, talk to them, they're going to call me every day or be mailing me pieces out constantly. Um, You know, it's really all about assessing, is this going to work between us? And, you know, and then you get into identifying the time frame. I know when I was in real estate, I mean, there were some people, it was 7 to um, 11 times they had to come and visit before they were ready, you know, to make a decision. And then when you get the whole family dynamics and everybody has to get on board, it, it just takes a while. So, you know, don't be afraid um, to see what's out there because even if you don't need it or someone in your family doesn't today, they might need it tomorrow. And it's just wise to be educated. It it, it takes the edge off, um, you know, putting you in crisis. 
and it, it allows you much more control. So I, I really, I can't emphasize that enough. I, I'm right on board with both of you there in terms of getting educated. Yeah, um, I just wanted to add, Lori, to that too, if you don't mind, is um, just sure. talking about one thing that we do with our home care company, and I think a lot of home care companies are kind of doing something similar to this, but you know, to help our family, especially when we're working within the community, um, we have more of a program that we do is, is similar. It's called um, Better Together Networking. So what we do is we provide additional resources. So if we're making, if we're working with a family and they live within a, a community, um, we try to make that community be, feel as if they were within an assisted living facility. So involving volunteer services, maybe it's something at their church, maybe it's Meals on Wheels, um, also extending that into being able to look and visit properties and be part of their activities programs or stop in for lunch or dinner or what have you. So that way, if their needs would change, they would be familiar with the setting. They would already know these facilities. They've already attended activities or support groups there. Um, and it makes them feel more secure that making that transition is, is a good fit for them. And then we also work with them on the transitional part. So if they need to leave home and they're moving into facilities such as Prelude, we do work with companies here in the Twin City area, one in specific called Heritage Home Solutions, that we would help um, help them with that transition. So, you know, just helping those families be able to make those um, decisions, you know, ahead of the game and getting them familiar with it, what is available within their own community. Well, that that's nice. That's really, really nice to know um, for people to to help them through that process. I, I I just think you know we've got to remove the fear and you know get rid of these these tendencies that that just shut us in and shut us down um, because it doesn't allow us to have control and it doesn't allow us to make educated decisions. And that's in my mind what it's really all about. Um, I would like to ask, you know, what's been your biggest surprise in developing this community, Janelle, that you have heard in terms of responses from from people regarding the prelude concept? Have you been surprised? Or maybe there hasn't been a surprise. You know, well, I, I would say one of the surprises for me continues to be how little known some of the community options are for people. You know, a lot of people still think their only choice for memory care is a nursing home. And and I, I'm not at all saying that nursing homes aren't a, an appropriate place or a good place. They're, they're, they have their place for people, and there are um, certainly care needs that they can meet that, that an assisted living or more community-based setting can't meet. Um, but for a vast majority of people with memory loss, they don't have a lot of those physical care needs. It really is much more um, uh, what truly a care um, caring environment that that just supervises their environment and structures it for them and helps them with the basic um, dressing and grooming and making sure that they're having their needs met in bathing and toileting issues and and so um, that that continues to surprise me that this option has been available for as long as it has and it's so little known um but i think the other pleasant surprise that i continue to have is just how far um a caring smile and sincere conversation can take any of us in a relationship um with the people that we serve in this industry and how a smile can be remembered um you know i recently had an experience where i um I visited with a woman in the hospital to do a brief assessment 
Um, and a few days later, when she did end up coming um, to, to Prelude, uh, the minute she came in the door and I smiled at her, she said, what are you doing here? Uh, how come you're here? And, and, and I'm so glad you're here um, because she she recognized, if not uh, who I was, she recognized me as someone who um, she had seen once before and who cared for her. And um, it's amazing to me, it continues to be amazing, how those very simple things can make such a big difference. So true. So true. How about you, Susie? Any surprising things that have happened to you in this industry working with with Allied and and Prelude? I think um, you know the biggest thing that I continue to be so honored is when our our families consider our caregivers as an extension to their family. Um, because I know for us having caregivers in our home, that was very important to us that we had people that we could relate to because they're coming into your environment, which is you know, your own private home, and, you know, I just, I, I was, I'm always so touched when I hear that, even long after their loved ones are have passed on and their journey has ended, they continue to contact us and refer families to our agency, which is such a compliment to the services that we do and the mission and the purpose behind our whole um, business. So that's probably, I think, the most honoring thing that I have. Um, as for surprises, I think very much like Janelle, I find that it's just, we're very fortunate to live here in the state of Minnesota because we do have a lot of um, choices for home care. And um, I, I I do a lot of continuing education, especially with consumers. And what I'm really surprised is, is when I meet with them, how they don't know about all these services and how to prepare for the future. And um, it just always surprises me. Typically, they're still waiting until there's a crisis, and then it's much more expensive and much more difficult um, so that still surprises me, even all the education that is out there and the wonderful or companies that are available and resources that, that um, folks still don't know of all the great services here in the Twin City area. Yeah, I, I know for myself, you know, before my dad got sick with his brain cancer and my, my mom had memory problems and has had memory problems for 30 years, so that's been a really long journey, and we just kind of lived with it and, and worked with it and then until my dad got sick and then we really had to push the envelope um, with things. But I, I remember up until actually my dad got um, got diagnosed with cancer, I always felt as a child that, that old was 10 years older than them because if I, if I kept that in my pea brain, then I wouldn't have an issue because we wouldn't have a crisis. And I'll never forget the day he got diagnosed. That <laughs> theory went right out the window. But I really, even though I educated people on housing options when I was in real estate and, you know, all the all the variables and the resources, I knew that stuff. For me personally, I didn't want to go there. And so it was the day my dad got diagnosed, I realized I was living in this make-believe world of oldest 10 years older than them because age has nothing to do with our health. Um, and so, you know, it's but it just all gets into that whole denial stage of what are we comfortable with and, and what aren't we comfortable um, with and why why does that exist, you know, for us. So, well, I so appreciate you gals being on the show. You've just been filled with tons and tons of great information. Um, I do have a couple more questions for you, though. And one would be, and I'll, I'll shoot this to Janelle first, is, um, 
what what would you tell a family member um, who is dealing with someone with dementia um, in terms of living with the disease? Because I think it's difficult for um, children and spouses and friends, you know, as a whole in terms of how how do you live with it? How do you keep this person in your life? And I I think people really struggle with that because it's easier many times to walk away or bury your head in the sand and ignore it. What would you tell that person, Janelle, that's just struggling I think one of the best gifts that you can give both yourself and your loved one is to release the past expectations. I think that's part of what uh, we can tend to struggle with as a as a child or a spouse. This person in our mind has always been a person that we've had certain expectations of of their abilities and of who they are and of their personality. And the quicker you can let go of those expectations and embrace them each day, who they are and what they're bringing to the table that day, the less frustrating it's going to be for you and the less frustrating it's going to be for them. And recognizing the value in in each day and living in the moment, learning from, from your loved one how to live in the moment and not holding on to those um, things of the past that, that we can't, Retrieve, keeping them in our memory and cherishing them, but moving forward that day to to where that person is and learning um, the the more they can learn how to um, relate to them in a way that validates that person. You know, rather than looking to fix them or to correct them, um, learning to live where they are and to identify the emotion that they're expressing to you and talking with them about that and really um, letting go of that past expectation and learning to live with um, with what we have. All of us change on a daily basis, and all of us have different moods that flow and, and ebb, and the person with memory loss um, is where they are right now, and we need to learn to come alongside them and walk alongside them there rather than um, rather than trying to bring them back to a place where they may no longer be able to to go. I love that. How how about you, Susie? Anything you'd like to add there? Any advice you would give? Well, I think in any diagnosis or change in your health, um, you know, and I think for our family, what we we did is, you know, I really I embraced each day, each sunrise, with the understanding and kind of and compassion to what was going on. And to enjoy each moment with your loved one and, and feel okay that there will be new memories to be made. I think it's very difficult, and I think Janelle said it well, is that, you know, oftentimes we want folks to remain the way that we remember them. But, you know, all of us are changing, and they're, especially with a healthcare issue, you know, your life will continue to change. And I think we just need to embrace that person and enjoy um, the times that we have with them. I agree because, you know, dementia is, you know, something that could be with you a long, long time. There is no cure. A lot of people may be living with this, like my mom, for 30 years. This is not something you can just walk away from. Um, I always tell people, remember what got you into the relationship to begin with and don't lose that because that is just so precious, those those friendships um, and those connections that we have with one another, not not to let our fear get in the way. 
I know um, also, Susie, you had talked um, when we had spoken earlier about, you know, families when they're when they're having their discussions to really talk with the person who has memory loss if if you're able to in early stages to find out what's important to them, what are their wishes. And many times I think families and I think doctors and, and healthcare professionals as well or out in a restaurant, a lot of times people start talking to the person sitting next to the person with dementia and we forget to include them and we need to be inclusive. Um, and so I just I wanted to point that out that um, you had mentioned that as one of your five points that we really wanted to to cover. Was there anything else you wanted to add to that, Susie? No, I think that is important because I think that you know I think that's one thing with all diseases is that when you're diagnosed, you feel like you um, everything is taken away from you, your ability to drive or your ability to function or your ability to go to work or whatever it might be. And really, folks need a voice, and so you really need to become that voice. And I think that that's what both you know Prelude and and Allied Professionals does is we try to continue that voice for our residents and our patients. And so I think that um, some oftentimes that's what happens with family is that they they forget that you know although they may not be communicating like they had in the past, they still are listening, and um, you need to to give them their voice. So. Great. Well, I, I just see you both being such stewards of dementia and the healthcare industry as a whole and just caregiving, you know, in the in the bigger sense. And I, I appreciate all you're doing and that you're walking and talking your journey and really helping and assisting those there. And you seem to both really be remaining um, students of the disease and listening and educating yourselves because things are changing constantly. And, and I, I just I hold that in such high regard for both of you. Um, I would like to be able to tell people how to reach you. So Janelle, um, for Prelude Homes and Services, what would be the best way for people to get a hold of you? They can find us on the web at PreludeCares, P-R-E-L-U-D-E-C-A-R-E-S dot com, or they can call me at 651-501-6513. Wonderful. And how about you, Susie, with Allied Professionals? Right. If people want to get a hold of us, they can also visit our website, which is w or is Allied Professionals, A-L-L-I-E-D, Professionals, P R O F E S S I O N A L S dot com, or they can call me directly or call our company at 952 832 5101 or our 1 800 number at 1 877 371 2936. Well, great. Ladies, you are both just doing a superb job, and I, I can't thank you both enough for all you are doing for our communities and um, for the people who need assistance. So thank you so much for being a part of our show, and I hope listeners will um, give you a jingle. Janelle, now you are doing that sculpture dedication, and um, I can't remember. I want to say it was like October 2nd. Um, What time, and and is that open to the public? Will you be doing it? It certainly is. 
Yep, yep. I would love to give people tours, so people are welcome to join us. It'll be a, a short program that starts at 2 o'clock on Sunday, October the 2nd. I'll be available to give tours, and that will be at our at our Woodbury campus, which is located at 10020 Raleigh Road. That's R-E-L-E-I-G-H Road in Woodbury, which is at the intersection of Woodbury Drive and Raleigh Road. Okay, and can you give your phone number out one more time just in case people want to call to maybe get directions? And Sure, yep, 651-501-6513. Great. Well, again, thank you um, both so much for being on the program. I'd like to ask our listeners, if you enjoyed our program today, to please like us on Facebook and tweet us if you have a Twitter account or or email um, this episode to your friends or families who just might need to hear what it's really like out there. What are some of the options? They don't even need to live in Minnesota, but this is just a way to educate people if they're fearful of walking through the door in their own community, just to hear the voices behind the scenes of what it's really like, and maybe we can break down some of those barriers there. Our next show is actually going to be tomorrow, and I'm so excited about um, this show as well. It's entitled Care Partnerships, Breathing New Life into Giving and Receiving. And our guest is going to be Laura Beck from the Eden Alternative. And the Eden Alternative has um, started this movement years ago on patient-centered care, which is finally catching on. Uh, but they started it back in the 70s. And so I'm very excited to have Laura on the show with us uh, tomorrow. And that will be at 1 p.m. Central Time. So that would be 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. I hope you're able to join us. And again, if not, you can always listen to the podcast afterwards. Remember, if you are memory, memory impaired or a person giving care, either family or professional, and you have an interest in being on the show, please shoot me an email at lori, L-O-R-I, at Alzheimer's, and that's A-L-Z-H-E-I-M-E-R-S, and then speaks, S-P-E-A-K-S, Dot com. I would love to talk with you and see if you might be a good fit for the show. Again, it's all about giving voice and collaborating and working together so that everybody around the world can hear what the concerns are and what's working and what's not. I look forward to having great conversations with all of you in the future. And again, if you can tune in tomorrow, if not, we have lots of other shows lined up um, for you. We've got on Monday, um, Gary Joseph LeBlanc will be speaking on his book, um, Staying Afloat um, in the Sea of Forgetfulness, and uh, several others lined up as well. So thank you once again. I'd like just to remind people to focus on the three simple things that your memory chip teaches us. Are they safe, are they happy, and are they pain-free? You can get your memory chip plus a lot of good information on the alzheimerspeaks.com resource website. Again, Janelle and Susie, thank you so much for your time today, and um, God bless.
think ahead. Thank you. Go ahead. Thank you. Bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now, this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire. Become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.